Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm very pleased to have John Muse as my guest today. John is a neurologic music therapist, special needs family and parenting coach, and associate marriage and family therapist. Working with families of children with special needs is something near and dear to his heart, and he has been doing so for the past 15 years. After he completed his bachelor's degree in music therapy, he started his own private practice. Over the years, he has witnessed the amazing power music has to transform lives and relationships for the better. In 2010, he completed his master's degree in marriage and family therapy in order to expand his practice to support the whole family, and in 2013, he moved his practice from Vancouver to Southern California. In addition to working with children, he also supports clients in treatment facilities who struggle with the challenges of addiction, eating disorders, and mental health. In 2016, he completed his advanced training in neurologic music therapy and added this specialty training to his practice to help heal neurologic injury through evidence-based intervention and support clients with speech and language delays, motor control challenges, and more. Welcome, John, and thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the wonderful and unique work that you do with the special needs community. Thank you so much. I'm just so glad to be here and to um, talk about music therapy and what I've experienced over the last 15 years. So please, please tell me, what is music therapy and what sort of clients does it work well for? So music therapy is um, it's an evidence-based, it's a clinical-based use of music um, to help accomplish individualized goals. Um, so with the therapeutic relationship between uh, the client and the therapist, it's also, a, um, it's also run by a credentialed music therapist. So music therapist has to go through a whole regime of um, training like a social worker, like an occupational therapist or marriage and family therapist as well. Um, and so it's, uh, it's also a healthcare profession which uses music as a therapeutic relationship to address physical um, challenges and needs, um, emotional challenges, um, some of the work that I do within mental health, um, cognitive, as well as social needs um, of varying individuals. What is your educational background and your professional experience in working with children with special needs, and do you work with specific types of special needs populations? Yeah, so in 2001, actually, I began my bachelor training in music therapy. Um, so music therapy basically is, um, basically you need two years of music training, in-depth music training, and then year three and four in the bachelor degree, um, it's a more of an intense focus on music in the brain, music and psychology, um, the adaptations of music to, um, you know, to focus on change and healing with others. Um, so it's, it's a four-year degree program. And then music therapists in their bachelor degree program have to complete a 1,500-hour internship and then after the internship, they have a licensure process. So they had to write an exam uh, to be board certified uh, throughout the United States. And, you know, because I'm Canadian as well, I moved here from Canada, um, they have the very similar same process there as well. Um, me personally, primarily, I've been working with families of children with um, special needs, um, mostly autism, actually. 
And then when I moved here to California, um, my marriage and family, my marriage and family therapy license didn't transfer. <laughs> so I had to do my internship all over. And a part of my work throughout my internship, doing my hours for marriage and family therapy, I started doing a lot of work in treatment centers for addiction, mental health, as well as eating disorders. So initially, primarily, my practice was working with families of kids with special needs. But over the last six years, it's been kind of divided. Um, I would say probably it's 50-50 right now. Half my practice works with families with kids with special needs and half um, in mental health and addiction uh, treatment facilities. Can you tell us more about the how and why music therapy is beneficial for children with special needs and also why choose music therapy over music lessons or a music class? Okay. So if you just think about it, you know, whenever I do a workshop on music therapy, kind of the first thing that I say in my very open mind is we are a walking, talking, breathing, moving instrument. And really, if we can use music in an intentional way, we can really transform our lives. We can change um, from our breathing to, you know, everything about our life and our internal organs is about vibration and rhythm and music. So I've seen children, well, not even children, I've seen a lot of patients actually over the years um, really transform through using voice, using rhythm, using drumming techniques um, to really transform them. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen for many, many years, children, especially children on the autism spectrum, um, a lot of them have, you know, a very different contact to the world. And so a lot of people and therapists are trying to fit them in this mold and they have to speak and they have to do this and they have to do all these things. And, you know, although all those things are great to accomplish, um, but, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, music is a universal language. And so a lot of times working with children and kiddos on the spectrum, especially with communication challenges, um, music can be their voice. Music can really help them connect. It can help them reach out. Um, and it can really help them um, just communicate what's going on. So often, many times, I would do a drumming activity and we would or myself personally, I would talk about emotions and I would talk about I'm feeling frustrated and this is what it sounds like on the drum. And I would play some erratic rhythm on the drum. And then they would repeat back to me on a drum, not able to communicate it probably a lot of the times, um, but just being able to communicate through music. So that's just one aspect of working with kids on the spectrum that, um, you know, music can be um, an amazing way for them to just be able to communicate effectively. And it sounds to me like that type of interaction that you're describing with the music isn't something that typically happens in a regular music class or music lessons. So this is a whole different way of using music as a tool to reach that individual and have them work through their issues and communicate. Would that be correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, th what I always say, you know, all music is therapeutic, um, you know, to one regard, but, you know, we boost it up to a level of us in our training as music therapists and taking it to a different level. So primarily in music classes, and I get this call all the time from parents that will say, 
oh, I put Johnny in a in a music class, and you know, I was really hoping that he would be engaged. And oftentimes, what a lot of parents are finding is that the child is disengaged, or a lot of the music teachers can't really. Um, you know, get them to be active in the program because they're not really sure what's going on. And and the primary focus of a music class is the music production. It's about, you know, can you play this? Can you perform? And at the end of a music class, it's, it's primarily more focused on the performance aspect. And actually early in my practice, and you might want to put this in the notes, um, but I wrote a blog that was called Music therapy is not music lessons because <laughs> a lot of people get really confused and they're like, so are you going to teach my child how to play the guitar? And I'm like, maybe sometimes, but our primary focus is not about the performance piece because the performance piece is more about the perfection and playing in time and, you know, singing on the note and singing in tune. And that's really, really not our goal at all. So the, the primary difference between a music class and the music therapy is, it, is more about the performance piece. And music therapists, um, you know, are also I've got a lot of phone calls from parents that had removed their kids from the music class because they're not able to keep up or everybody else is playing on the rhythm and they're probably even getting overstimulated, really. Um, so a lot of the work in what music therapists do is like slow down the tempo um, and helping them more regulate and just understand that, you know, this is where you're at and maybe you can't keep up with the rest of the class. And the music therapist is really able to isolate some of those goals individually. And it's not at all based on the performance level. We're not working to have them to be the next Pavarotti. <laughs> We're, you know, really working <laughs> on utilizing music to just really help them understand the the components of music and how they can regulate. And for one, of, I'll just give you an example. I'm working with a kiddo right now. And he's having a really, really difficult time regulating. And this is part of also the neurologic music therapy piece as well. And the mom was just telling me, she's like, we've tried everything. He's been in music class. He couldn't keep up. He was even getting more frustrated because all of his friends around him in the class were able to plan the beat or they were able to, you know, sing in time. And he just, he couldn't do that. And then on top of that, he felt... Like he couldn't keep up. He was trying to compare himself to the rest of his peers. And then, you know, he was overloaded and he had a complete meltdown. And so the mom removed him from the class and she heard about music therapy and therefore neurologic music therapy. And she was like, you know, I just, I want to try this. Like, I, I don't know much about it and I want to try it. So in our very first few sessions, we used some drumming techniques to just you know, use both sides of your body and to activate both sides of the brain. And we did um, we did a memory exercise with the belts, and I just wanted to see how many different notes he could memorize in a row. And he got really, really upset. He got really, really upset. And so I stopped doing the memory exercise, and then I started doing some rhythm activity. We didn't even talk about it. I was like, okay, let's just get out of the drum. And we started drumming, and within five minutes, I could see his complete body just relax. And he was sitting in the music. And I just looked at him, I said, how are you? And he's like, I'm okay now. 
And I was like, wow. I said, what just happened? And he said, I was really, really frustrated. And he said, I was able to get it out on my drum. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. That's great. So then I chatted with the mom and I just talked about, you know, beyond that, you know, in, in his mind, he just realized that something happened to my body. I went from a place of complete tension and frustration, and I was able to, like, rhythm and beat on a drum, and now my body's relaxed for some reason. So in his little itty-bitty concept of music therapy, he just realized that drumming really helped, and he feels better. Um, but, you know, then the other bigger piece is, like, you know, music in the brain and how rhythm really, um, you know, has, a, has an amazing part in our overall regulation. Um, so that's, that's just an example of, um, you know, this family trying to have their kiddo in a music class and it was just not, um, was not conducive, was not helpful. Um, and it also was, in my opinion, it, it could be a little bit harmful because if he's not able to keep up and then he gets a meltdown, um, and if they're so focused on the performance base and he's not able to keep up based on whatever disability or challenge he has, um, that, that can be really frustrating and can be quite harmful for some of the kiddos. Well, you kind of already covered what my next question was going to be, which was to be a little more specific about what neurologic music therapy is and how it does benefit your clients with special needs primarily autism. Are there any other examples that you'd like to give or anything you'd like to add to that? So I, I just want to speak to neurologic music therapy piece for a moment. Um, neurologic music therapy came to the surface, I would say, probably 20 years ago. Um, his name is Dr. Michael Tout. Um, so you might want to look him up. You can Google him. He was a, a music therapist that connected with a lot of neurologists. And neurologists were quite fascinated with the music component. And one of the things that they were quite fascinated with many, many years ago, they're like, we want to know what actually happens when a patient or a client is engaged with music. And so they tested both passive and active music. So passive music is more listening. And active music is more you're actually engaged, you're playing, you're drumming, or you're playing the piano. And they were like, we, we see the difference in people and we understand that music has an effect, but we want to know what happens in the brain. And so many years ago, you know, we always hear, oh, you're the creative type. So, you know, music is in the right part of the brain, right? We've all heard that. So when they finished their testing, and I'm not quite sure what they did actually in their testing, but the, um, the PET scans and all of that, in their research, basically what they said verbatim, they said the entire brain lit up like a Christmas tree. Wow. And they were like, this is fascinating because what we thought or what we one time thought that music was processed in just the right hemisphere because of the creative type. Now we know for fact that music is processed in every entire part of the brain from front to back, left to right. And so the neurologists were like, this totally makes sense that how we can have people like Gabby Gifford, remember Gabby Gifford, the congresswoman? Absolutely. Right, shot. Yep. So they're like, this totally makes sense why people like Gabby Gifford can sing a song, but she can't actually speak words. And they're like, this, 
Like this, this is how all this stuff happens because if there's an injury in the brain, regardless of whatever it is, it could be traumatic brain injury, it could be Parkinson's disease, it could be, you know, anything that's challenging in, in the neural system. If there's an injury, if we can use music and practice music enough, and because of, you know, now the new research on neuro, uh, mirror neurons and, you know, um, you can refire, right? You can basically build a new neural pathway. And they're like, with all this new research, if music is processed in the entire brain, we can use music to help remap around the injury. And this is what happened to Gabby Gifford. Actually, I trained with the neurologic music therapist that worked with Gabby Gifford every day. And when I chatted with her, um, she was like, yeah, I, I use simple songs like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And she and I just filled in like things of everyday life. Like this is a laugh. And I substituted the words from Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star because that was already mapped in her brain. That was in her memory. And because of music being processed in the entire area and practicing in a neurologic music therapy, we call it entrainment. So entrainment is you keep practicing it over and over and over and over. And then once you practice over and over and over and over, it actually builds a new neural pathway. And so she was able to regain her speech through neurologic music therapy. Now, what was really frustrating to us as a music therapy profession, um, you know, of course, the media took a hold of this because this was a congresswoman. And they're like, you know, this, this lady was injured, and we had this beautiful opportunity to advocate and to educate about neurologic music therapy and how music can really, you know, do beautiful things in the brain, and we can rewire and make a neural pathway. So instead of calling it what it really was, the media called it sing therapy, <laughs> which is not mm. even an accredited profession. <laughs> so we're quite deflated, and we're like, are you serious? This is an opportunity to really talk about the science and what this really is. So neurologic music therapy gave birth between these neurologists and Dr. Michael Taub that really worked hard together to really study and research music and techniques and interventions from rhythm interventions. They have singing, vocal interventions as well. Um, and so they worked years and years and tirelessly um, focusing on the research part. And they have 21 interventions in the music therapy program, and all 21 interventions are evidence research, like heavily backed in research that this really helps. And actually, one of the top treatments right now for Parkinson's is neurologic music therapy. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. And mm -hmm. while you were talking, I was just thinking about so many examples just flying through my brain um, about uh, a movie that was very, very popular a few years ago called The King's Speech which uh, is a movie about the former King of England, the father of Queen Elizabeth, who had a speech impediment. And uh, a large portion of that film talks about the therapist who worked with him to help him get through his speeches and, and so forth and, and would actually have him sing a portion of his speech or, or think about singing it, which would... would help him get through Absolutely. that speech impediment and also the the amazing effects that 
music has on people who are on the spectrum and specifically, for example, people with autism. Uh, one of the recent winners of the America's Got Talent show here in the United States, uh, Cody Lee, a young That's man right. with autism who is also mm-hmm. blind, um, yeah. who walks down, walked out on the stage, sat down at the piano and blew everybody's mind <laughs> in terms yeah. of what he was able to do and the, the, uh, the songs he could play and how he's saying it was just incredible so as you were talking all these things were going through my mind and i was thinking yeah absolutely absolutely right absolutely true yeah i i you know this again this is the performance based piece and i think a lot of families get a little misconstrued sometimes by that because they see mainstream media and yes you know i validate this is beautiful and this is a gentleman that you know has lived with autism and blind and the amazing musical abilities that he has but sometimes parents get a little misconstrued by that and they're like oh because my son has autism and can you teach him how to play the piano and you know maybe he'll he'll be on america's next top america's <laughs> well no not not everyone can not, do that not everyone can do that yeah, but it does yeah. but it certainly does speak to the healing effects you know, of music. Yes. And one of the things that, you know, I've been reading a lot about and a lot of the research and, you know, autism is actually categorized as a neurologic challenge, right? As a neurologic disability. And one of the things that I, I find very, very interesting in our, in our society, in our culture is we're, we're starting autism on a behavioral approach, so, and I'm not knocking ABA. I think ABA is amazing, and I think it's super, super important. But that's kind of the system that began a few years ago because if, if you just think about it, if we have an injury somewhere in our brain, it's going to show up in our behaviors. We're going to have tics. We're going to have, you know, stuttering. We're going to have, you know, irritation or mood challenges. And if we have an injury in our brain, it shows up in our behaviors. So... You know, they did a lot of research, and there's tons of money that went into researching ABA therapy, and I I think it's absolutely amazing. But right now, this is kind of the first level of defense in therapy is to go to ABA first. And for me, I'm thinking, well, if we can actually work on the neurologic piece first and then see what happens to the behavior, I think that that is the new place of therapy right now for our kiddos with autism. Because a lot of these kiddos, you know, they're, they're having um, challenges with the wiring in the brain and the firing. And so a lot of research, what it's been showing is that the corpus callosum, so that little tiny piece that attaches both hemispheres of her brain, they've been seeing that either the firing between two sides of the brain has been way too fast or else they've been showing that the firing between two sides of the brain has been super, super slow in kiddos with autism. And so if you just think about music and the basis of music and utilizing rhythm and using both sides of your body, like this kiddo that I used prior in an example, I had him drumming for just five minutes and he was using both sides of his brain, which therefore activated both hemispheres and it caused him to regulate. And the mom was like, he was just so upset. And I'm like, we didn't do a behavioral approach. This was not behavioral. 
it showed up, the symptomology showed up as a behavior, but it was maybe, I don't know, I'm not, I, I didn't have him hooked up to all kinds of machines and to kind of see what was going on in his brain, but this is the thing with a lot of kiddos with autism, it's, it's more about the brain and the firing and, and, you know, the neural impulses, and if we can just add music to that, I'm pretty sure that the behaviors would be, I'd say, 60% less. And, of course, we still need our APA therapist. But I would love to see it as a neurologic approach first rather than a behavioral approach. And I know I'm probably going to get a lot of feedback from ABA therapists and other people that are like, yes, you know, let's do 40 hours of ABA. Um, but, you know, I, I've seen a lot of kiddos that have done 40 hours of ABA, and then they sat with a drum for like 30 minutes, and they were cool as a cucumber. And they're like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm regulated, you know, or I was able to move both parts of my body, and now I'm able to sit and focus. Like, I've seen a ton of kids that have been referred to me over the years. Actually, a new one, this young girl, she's only seven years old. We just did an assessment last week, and the mom even pulled her out of school because the teacher was like, I don't know what to do with her. She won't sit down. She won't attend. Like, we can't do anything with her. So the mom had to quit her job, and she started homeschooling this young, beautiful woman, and she was like, hey, I just want you to come to my home. And if nothing else, I just want her to enjoy music. And I was like, well, you know, what is it you really want to work on? And why did she leave school? And she said she's not able to attend. Like her attention span is, I've only seen my daughter sit and attend to something for like three minutes. So I said, okay, I will come and do an assessment and I'll bring a array of instruments and we'll just kind of see what, what, you know, she's drawn to and I can create a program to help with that, but other things. And I brought in an array of instruments, I put them all over the floor, and she chose the xylophone. And she sat for 32 minutes and did not move and played that xylophone for 32 minutes. And the mom was in the kitchen, she was watching, and I could see her with tears in her eyes, and she's like, I've never seen this. I've never seen this. Like, how is this happening? Like, I've never seen my daughter sit and be engaged in something for longer than three minutes. Like, how is this happening? I'm like, this, this is the beauty of music, really. You know, probably for the first time in a long time as well, she's getting feedback as well as a reinforcer. Is like, I'm creating this. <laughs> I'm creating this beautiful music, and this sounds amazing, and this is part of me. Right. Rather than I'm, you know, I'm in a school and I have to sit and I, you know, I'm no good and I can't do this. And, you know, so that that's a large part of the reward system as well in our music sessions is the feedback that a lot of our kiddos get. They're like, oh, I'm creating this and I have control of this. And, you know, this, this feels good and this sounds nice to me. So the engagement piece is huge, very huge for attention span as well. Well, I think you made some very interesting and very valid points, John. I really do. Um, Thank you. At this point, I'd like to ask, is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't covered? And what do you think is the most important takeaway for our listeners to remember from our conversation? I think the other thing that I actually want to add is um, 
a program that we've been running is a program that I actually created in Canada and I'm bringing it here and I want more families to know about it and because we don't just work with kiddos. Um, we work with the entire age range. And I know a lot of families are really struggling with after school. And they're like, you know, my, my child got speech therapy and occupational therapy and tons of therapies and tons of support. And one of the biggest concerns right now is what, what happens to my child when they leave school? What are we going to do? There's not many programs. So we created a program um, in Canada. It actually has a documentary. Um, so that's on my website as well. And I, I call it the Glee Choir because at that time, the Glee Show was quite popular. Everybody knew about it. But I wanted to create a program for adults where they can come together and again, it's, it's a music therapy program, but, you know, it's kind of, as an outsider, it looks more like a choir. Um, so I keep it to like a size of maybe 10 people because I want to keep the music therapy elements into that. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because we just went back to, we were talking about King's speech and, um, you know, using music and, and rhythm to help the fluidity of speech. So in this program... Each of these adults come with their favorite songs, and we learn them, and we perform them, actually, for their families and for the community. So a large part of what we do in that is basically social skills. This is a social skills music therapy program. Um, they get to learn how to ask for help. They get to learn how to be together, conflict resolution. I don't like that song. You know, we just had an argument last week in one of the Glee choirs, and they're like, I hate Katy Perry. And this girl was like, I love Katy Perry, and I want to sing her song. And so we just, we just utilize the space in our music program to just really talk about, well, you know, when you don't like something and somebody else does, how do we treat other people? So largely, it's, it's a social skills program. But then they were having a lot of trouble with one of the songs, which had a lot of syncopation. Um, it's actually a Beatles song, Penny Lane. <laughs> and so one gentleman requested Penny Lane, and the entire verse was full of syncopation. They were having such a difficult time with the rhythm. And so I played it on the piano, and we sang it. And a lot of the parents were, you know, they're observing and watching. And I just said to them, I said, watch this. So I got out a drum for every single one of them. And I went through the entire lyrics, and I said, okay, I want you to play it on the drum. So we drummed it out, and we used all of the syllables of every single word as if it were the drum. And so they just played it into the drum. And we did it for maybe five minutes. And after five minutes, every single one of them had the words and all the syncopation correct in the song. That's amazing. And parents, yeah. Right. And so that's a testament of this, this neurologic piece is like if we can use music and rhythm and, you know, how it's wired in our brain and the beautiful stuff that music does and it's processing the entire brain. You know, I always tell people when I do workshops as well, I'm like, just think about when we were little kids. How did we learn the alphabet? We sang it. <laughs> And now we have the evidence to show that, yeah, we sang it because music is processing the entire brain. So why not use music in math? Why not use music in motor planning? You know, which is huge now for clients with Parkinson's, using music to help their gait and motor planning. And if I'm trying to reach for something and how challenging that is, and if we do a little rhythm exercise, I can reach for things and I can walk and I can move a lot smoother. 
Um, so that's just, again, another example of what I wanted to point out about um, using music and rhythm. And they just had that syncopation down. And I was like, wow, isn't this amazing? Like four minutes ago, just five minutes ago, you guys were all over the map, could not get the words, and now you just drummed it, and it's in your body, and you will remember it forever. And the parents are like, this is like magic. I'm like, not really. This is not magic. I'm like, we've, we've had music for centuries. <laughs> you know, music has been healing people and transforming people for centuries. Um, and I'm like, right now, we just have the science to really prove it. And this is actually what happens in our brain when we are engaged in music. We can do amazing things. And I love it. I love it. I, I tell people, I'm like, I've been doing this for 15 years, and still, truly, every day I wake up and I still say, I love what I do. I get to see very challenging clients that's been turned down by this profession or that one saying, they can't do this, they can't do that, they can't do this. And we pull out a drum or we sing something or whatever the intervention is, and they do it. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I love this. Well, now I do have a question for you. What if someone <laughs> is out of the area? Um, maybe they're in a different part of the state than where you are. Maybe they're in a different state. Um, is this something that you can advise people or work with people on uh, remotely? Does that work at all? So this is, you know, this is a big challenge, right, for a lot of people living all throughout our country, through Canada as well, as well where, you know, I don't live near a music therapist or I had to drive two hours to see the nearest music therapist. Um, I always avail myself um, to parents as a consult and be like, okay, well, is there anything that I can help you with that you can do some music interventions um, at home? So I always avail myself with questions. Um, but the first thing I would do with them is, you know, to try and see is there a nearest music therapist? And you know, there's the, the American Music Therapy Association, and they have a whole list of music therapists all across the country. So if there's any parents that are, you know, um, questioning or want to know more about music therapy or looking for a music therapist in their area, um, that's probably one of the first go-to places is the American Music Therapy Association. And to go to their website, and you can just put in any region and location and find your nearest music therapist. So how can our listeners reach you if they have questions or if they want to know more? So they can reach me. I'm available by phone or by email or my website. Um, my phone number is 818-877-6797. And my email and my website. So I'll give my website because my you can contact me right through my website. But my website is musicmoves.com. Now, because my last name is Muse, M-E-W-S, um, I really feel like God gave me the perfect name. So if you just attach an I, the letter I, and the letter C to my last name, it says music. So that's my business name. It's not the typical M-O. Uh, it's not the M-U-S-I-C music, but it's M-E-W-S, which is my last name, Muse, with the letter I, and the letter C, and then the word moves, musicmoves.com. 
is my website. So you can reach me there. You can also find a lot of blogs. I read a lot of blogs about music, music therapy, um, different interventions. I also write some songs as well for therapists and for families, even for teachers that they can use um, different songs and um, for different goals of kids um, as well. You'll find that on my website. Well, thank you so much, John, for your time and the terrific information that you've shared with us today. Well, you're so welcome. And I also, you know, just want to say thank you as well, because I know when I first met you, um, I know you're a mom that has experience in all of this as well. And, you know, a large part of my push to also become a marriage and family therapist is I really wanted to support the entire family, not just Johnny on the spectrum, but I wanted to really help support mom and dad and the siblings, um, you know, because autism and special needs um, really affects the entire family. And I just love meeting parents like yourself that takes a challenging situation and makes a difference in the world. And that's one of the things that really impressed me when I first met you. And I'm like, just thank you so much for what you do because you create this platform for parents out there that might have just got this recent diagnosis and is completely lost. And I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I'm hearing all these things about try this and try that. Um, And I I just really want to say I appreciate you. And I think what you're doing is amazing um, because of the experience that you've had. So thank you for what you're doing and creating this platform for parents. Oh, John, I really appreciate those kind words much, much more than you know. (laughs) (laughs) You're so welcome. You're so welcome. And I also want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. I'm Gilda Evans reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.